From Rectangle Health, this is the Modern Practice Podcast. Every episode, we tackle a timely topic to help you stay current and simplify the business side of healthcare. Without further ado. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Modern Practice Podcast presented by Rectangle Health. Hope you're all doing well. And as always, before we get started, I just want to thank you for your support and feedback. We greatly appreciate it. Today, we're talking cybersecurity at your practice, and to help us better understand risks, course of action, and why this needs to be top of mind in the healthcare industry now more than ever, is Brad Deflin, founder of Total Digital Security. Brad has been operating his own cybersecurity company for 10 plus years now and brings a wealth of knowledge, but most importantly, will help break down what you need to know to protect your practice and patients in terms we can all understand. Brad, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Good morning, Gary. Happy to be with you today. Awesome. And before we dive in, Brad, I always want to give our audience a chance to learn more about you. Can you kind of take me through your uh, career in cybersecurity and leading up to today, running your own company? Sure. I actually um, started the company about 10 years ago, as you mentioned. Uh, That was after a 25-year career with Wall Street firms and a variety of senior executive positions where I had a purview of uh, technology systems as as the industry was evolving. And then by the time we got into the late 2000s, early 2010s, we started to see cyber risk come in in a very big way. And by 2013, I decided to start total digital security, to start to address some of those concerns. I'm really glad we're connecting here today because as you just mentioned, cybersecurity, cyber attacks have been on the rise. And as you know, healthcare practice staff, no matter what position they hold, are wearing multiple hats in their day-to-day. So time is not on the staff member's side as they manage so many daily duties. Cybersecurity is not always top priority. So my goal for this episode is to really level set and allow allow our listeners to understand what they are potentially up against. And I want to start with the people behind these cyber threats. Who are they? Who are the bad guys? So the bad guys are no longer just the 400 pound guy in the basement, right? Um, I'm sure there's still an element, but really these are global criminal syndicates And a lot of the traditional global syndicates that have been around forever, whether they've been in drug running, bank robberies, or you name the crime, have retooled over the last 10 years or so to get into cybercrime. Because when you think about it, it's the perfect crime. You can do it from anywhere. Walls, borders, jurisdictions really don't matter. It's a faceless crime that leaves no traditional evidence. Uh, forensically. And in a lot of cases, the loot, if you will, is in digital currency. And digital currency is the perfect criminal bounty. That is, it's portable, it's liquid, and it's anonymous. And you know, a big challenge for traditional criminal syndicates is, how do you move the cash around? How How do you launder and make that cash legitimate? Digital addresses a lot of those concerns. So now today, these are professional, very smart criminals that maybe are not necessarily really well-versed in technology, but they hire or contract others that are really well-versed in technology. 
in order to conduct their exploits. And so we know who they are, but let's talk about who they target now. And the reason I want to shift there is because I always I was always of the mindset that, you know, you need to be this Fortune 500, Fortune 100, whatever company to really need to focus on cybersecurity. But we know that's not true. Can you talk to me about the risk in being a small, let's say, single location or two to three location healthcare practice? Are these smaller businesses truly sort of like that low hanging fruit for a cyber criminal? Yeah, very much so, Gary. And honestly, th that was the impetus for me getting into the business. In 2012 or 2013, I coined a phrase, the democratization of cyber risk. And what I meant was that previously, the 25-year history of the IT security industry was really all about the enterprise, the Fortune 100 companies, the Pentagon, military, sovereign states. And what I saw in my positions on Wall Street was now they were targeting really anybody, especially those that may have some assets, money in motion, or critical information. And that democratization of cyber risk was game-changing in terms of the, the battlefield. And we realized that so many were unprepared and we're still in the mindset that it's somebody else's problem. Somebody else will fix that. I don't really need to worry about that. And there's still a large component. We fast forward today, we still read headlines about the hacks at the IRS or some name brand because that kind of sells headlines. But the fact of the matter is well over 80% of the incidents and the damages are way downstream and conducted in volume against many, many different targets looking for some probability of success. And yes, further downstream, they are considered low-hanging fruit underprotected, not as aware as they should be. And when you can do these things in volume, you don't necessarily need one big strike. You can get many, many smaller strikes and do just as well or better. Yeah, that makes total sense. And it perfectly explains why healthcare is a prime risk, prime area of the target, because like I said earlier, these practices are you know, often understaffed, overworked, having uh, staffing issues and retention issues. So their minds are not really in that space to think and be alert when it comes to cybersecurity. And something you mentioned when we first connected and, and started talking about bringing this episode to life is, I wrote it down, you mentioned the tsunami of activity in cyber attacks in recent years. Why is the, the bigger wave of threats and attacks happening now? Well, first of all, so many more people are connected. Maybe five out of seven billion people on the planet are now connected to the internet. Additionally, more and more devices are connected. It's not just our computer, laptops, and phones, but it's our ring doorbells, our IP security cameras, smart homes, smart offices. All of those internet-connected devices are essentially on-ramps for the bad guy. So it's becoming easier, it's becoming more profitable, and the pool of potential targets is just massive. And that there's actually an element of another side of the coin to that, where the pool of potential targets is so massive, many of these cyber criminals go after the low-hanging fruit. And when you are not the low-hanging fruit, 
they will move on. It's kind of like if you're the only home in the neighborhood that has a fence and a German shepherd and an armed guard and every other neighbor has an open front door, what's the bad guy going to do? He's going to go buy your house and go on to the next one that's a little bit easier. There's still a big component to that in cyber risk. Yeah, it sounds like they take the path of least resistance to just keep their attacks going and keep their momentum going. And I want to get into some specific types of attacks. Are there some that are more common than, than others? And, you know, we're, we're hearing uh, ransomware attacks are the biggest threats to specifically medical practices right now. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so ransomware, which is essentially the kidnapping of your information, call it uh, patient information or medical records or things that are crucial to your practice and HIPAA compliance and also patient uh, loyalty for that matter um, is very attractive. So kidnapping that for a ransom is a pretty big deal. But I think that whether it's ransomware or any other exploit, I really think what's important to understand is that the cyber criminal is targeting the human as much or more than targeting your technology because the human remains the weakest link. So whether it's ransomware or something else, more and more and more of these exploits start by fooling, misguiding a human that might be busy, trying to complete a task, answering to who they think might be their boss or a vendor or what have you. And that's where the problem is generated not because a server was hacked or an email account was hacked. Those things happen and we have to be aware of those, but because the human was hacked. And that's really what we need to focus on as much as anything else today in the industry. Yeah, and you have to take a look at the business side here. As a result of these types of attacks, what kind of impact do you see on on any business, really, whether it be a healthcare practice or any other industry you help out? It, it can be devastating uh, in so many different ways, uh, financially, reputationally, emotionally, and just in terms of convenience or burden of getting through. It can take years to unwind these things. And a professional practice in the healthcare industry, you know, it's incumbent on you that if one patient record is stolen, you got to tell every single patient that that record was stolen. And so the regulations are very stringent. And, and again, whether the hack is a medical office, a person, or anything in Fortune 100, it is enormously expensive to recover. And it has other effects that can be, that have a long tail and long lasting. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's an asymmetrical battlefield here. Remember, hackers only have to win once. You have to protect 100% of the time. And so that requires not only the best in class of cybersecurity technology, but people and staff that are aware, that get it, and have really a new set of life skills to counter this new face of risk that we're seeing today. And now with AI, Gary, the next couple of years, we are going to see things we've never seen before exploits we've never seen before, damages we've never seen before. And if not now, I don't know when is going to be the best time to get ready because it is at hand literally at this moment. Yeah, it's pretty scary stuff there, especially with 
developments in AI. I want to kind of go back to something you just said a little bit earlier about the human being impacted. And if for, let's say, a dental practice or any medical practice, let's focus on the humans that are being treated, the patients. Sure. If, if, if they fell victim to this kind of attack, how are the patients impacted short and long term? Um, in so many potential ways, you know, data is interesting because the more you have, the more valuable your set of data is. Unlike, let's say money. If I have a dollar and you give me two more dollars, I have three dollars. With data, if you give, if I have one set of information, but you give me two more sets of information, the value of that information, because we can cross-check data and look at it from different ways, goes up exponentially. So all of our information has been stolen. All of our information on some levels available on the dark web, whether it was stolen from the IRS or Equifax or Home Depot or anybody in between, it's out there, it's being traded. When you add really personal elements like medical information, it's really impossible to tell how that information will fit into the other sets of data. And now with AI that is creating exploits based on the data that you feed it, that we would never even, the most innovative, creative criminal in the world, would never dream of an exploit that AI can come up with as a result of connecting all these dots. It's kind of like when the internet came out, we couldn't even imagine how it was going to be used. We had a very naive, basic level. I remember very smart people saying, wow, that internet thing's pretty cool, but I don't think I'll ever need it, right? It's the same thing with AI. Wow, but we can't even imagine how it's going to be used, much less in a criminal manner. So the point is, we've got to shore in this information. We've got to have our people on their toes, and we've got to be, be, be prepared to see things that we've never seen before, because that's what AI does. It muddies the waters between fact and fiction. So without some critical thinking skills and without resources to raise your hand, hey, is this real? What do we do about this without knowing to pause? That can be dangerous in this day and age. Wow. Thanks for that, Brad. And I just want to reiterate, we're not here to scare anyone. This right. is strictly to raise awareness, bring about good habits and strong mindsets. So practices have some peace of mind. And does that peace of mind require having a full-time IT or cybersecurity specialist on staff? Uh, it doesn't. And I think here's the most important point I can make today. Cybersecurity technology is amazing. It has come so far in 10 years, and it has the benefit of AI and machine learning and uh, collaborative threat intelligence, a lot of things that it did not have the benefit of when I started 10 years ago. Cybersecurity technology is taking care of itself. You do have to expose yourself to that and maybe come up the curve a little bit in terms of, well, what's out there? what's suitable for my environment or my practice, but you can handle that. That can be done. What you have to know is that the technology is out there and it's up to the task. What we do with the, the bigger task, I think the harder challenge is 
to change ourselves and to change those around us. And to your point around fear, um, there are reasons to be afraid here. However, you can very much look at this matter as being empowering. That is empowering people to think a little bit differently, to be a little more informed and educated, and to develop critical thinking skills that don't just apply in the office or at the practice, but across their life. Because this risk does not go away for you, even as an employee, much less the doctor, when you leave the practice and go home. This risk is in the ether, if you will. It is out there everywhere because every device is connected and we have so many networks. So these critical thinking skills will apply throughout life. And we should you know, positively empower people to understand there is technology that will handle this risk and, you, and we can help you come up and, and incorporate life skills um, that will make you better personally and professionally. I definitely want to get into some of those life skills, but before we get into that, I want to ask you, so today, like right now, what are some steps that a practice can take to fortify the defenses, so to speak? Sure. So I'm going to go to the most fundamental levels, and this will be repetitive for many, but that's for good reason, because these work. And without these certain elements of best practices, all bets are off. And that includes passwords, okay? Passwords are the keys to our kingdom. When you leave your home, you might have to lock the door, double bolt it, turn on the alarm system, maybe make sure the gate is closed. Maybe a little bit inconvenient, but you do it because you're protecting your castle. It's the same thing with our passwords. So the bad news is, a good password has to be more than 14 or 15 characters. Anything less can be hacked like that. And it has to be unpredictable. That is, it can't be your pet's names, your kids' names, <clears throat> your, your, you know, the address that you grew up at, your, the phone number you had when you were a kid. They know those things. And password hacking technology will cycle through all that information in a nanosecond to try to crack it. The, the best approach, though, is to use multiple words put together that might put something in your mind's eye to help you remember it. For example, I'm going to make one up right now. Monkey Moon Beach 2023 exclamation point. That's a great password. It's unpredictable. Yet in my mind's eye, I see a monkey sitting on the beach on the moon in 2023 with an exclamation point. Now I'm still gonna write that down and put it in my sock drawer as my master password, but it's a great password and it's very effective. Um, number two, use a password manager. Take 45 minutes to learn to use a password manager and I guarantee you, your life will be infinitely more secure, much less convenient. Take my word for that. Thirdly, finally, you've gotta use two-factor authentication. When you use two-factor authentication, which means not only do you need to know the password, but you need to have a device to confirm that with a code. That lops off so much of the risk. Microsoft will say well over 90% of the risk of an account being hacked when you use two-factor authentication. So a little bit of inconvenience, but the trade-off is so well worth it. Those fundamental basic practices 
are a must to begin with. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I was just recently speaking to my wife about uh, accessing the apps in our phones, and a lot of them are now even requiring that two-factor authentication. You can't even get into your accounts or anything without it. So it's really great advice there. And okay, I want to now shift back again to when we first met. You mentioned that teams that manage cybersecurity well, that take mm-hmm. those, they take those skills with them, mm-hmm. whether they stay in their current roles or move right. to a completely different industry. And you mentioned it a moment ago, new life skills. Can you just expand on that a little bit? Sure. Sure. So, you know, we teach our kids not to walk down dark alleys or across busy streets, right? The very fen- fundamental life skills, and those are still appropriate and have been, you know, forever. But what's new, what I would call this new face of risk, which is digital, and pervades everything we do personally and professionally, as leaders, as parents, as heads of households, as, as organizational leaders, we've got to encourage new life skills that are oriented, related to the digital realm. And that goes back to passwords. It goes back to two-factor authentication. It goes back to awareness. It goes back to understanding that with AI, you really can't trust anything. You Determining what's fact and fiction just at first glance is going to be really challenging. So you've got to know, well, this is someplace that I pause. Uh, this is someplace where I raise my hand. Um, do I have a resource with an IT company or do we use, you know, in our family, a personal, um, a personal service would have you to ask, is this legitimate? Do I respond to this? And if in doubt, delete it out, right? They will find you. Um, but the other thing is, if you feel yourself sort of um, in a hurry, under pressure, that, again, is a little bit of a red flag to say pause, right? Let's reassess and let's make sure that our next moves are the right ones. That's going to take some training. That's going to take some sort of soft tissue work and some practice. Nothing terribly complicated, just some change for individuals to embed in their everyday skills. Yeah, that's really insightful and great advice. And I think habits will form if you just keep at it. So um, as with anything, Brad, last question before we wrap up here, and you've already touched on it. Um, What is this next wave of cyber threats, let's say in the upcoming two years, look like? And how big of a role does AI play in it? Meaning, how is it going to be used? Yeah, so it is AI. That's the big you know, elephant in the room over the next couple of years. Um, It stretches our imagination in terms of how will it be used, but you can summarize it as what's fact and what is fiction. Am I really talking to Gary right now or is this a deep fake? Is that really his voice? Is that really his image? Is this email really from FedEx or the electric utility, right? Um, is this link really valid and going to do what the email purports it's going to do? Um, is this phone call I answer really the bank 
uh, or my lawyer sure sounds like my lawyer. That phone number is my lawyer, right? You've got to double check these things because all of these elements are being masked and can be fake. And so if your lawyer calls you because you're moving some money for a real estate closing or something else, and it sounds like your lawyer and it's, um, and it's coming from the lawyer's phone number, you may want to say, okay, I got the information. Let me get back uh, to you. And you call the lawyer back or you, you write, you, you authenticate in a, another way, whatever that communication is. And again, these are part of the life skills and best practices that we're going to have to get used to. You know, as you're, as you're saying that, I just thought to myself recently, I heard, um, you know, uh, an actress or a, or, or a singer, her voice was redone by somebody else and they created their own new song using her voice. Right. And it was exactly as you would hear it on the radio. And it's truly incredible what the power of AI is. And, mm-hmm. and we've only probably scratched the surface at this exactly. point. It's only going to get smarter. So I can't talked, imagine what's coming talked, next. We just talked a couple of days ago, Tom Hanks is being used in a commercial. It's not really Tom Hanks. Looks, sounds like Tom Hanks, not really him. We have a case. Um, high net worth individual moving money from one of his fidelity accounts called his office called his office and said listen i'm moving money from my fidelity account when fidelity contacts you go ahead and improve it approve it the office staff said oh that's my boss i know his voice it was a deep fake they approved it the money left and that's the end of the story and that's just in that's not even in a fortune 100 company right that's just a private individual Right. Yeah, there's lots to think about and even more motive, motivation to get in the right mindset, develop the right culture and skills to protect your patients, your staff, your practice, your practice. yourself. Right. So, Brad, I want to thank you for taking some time to join me today. I think this was very insightful. I'm going to add links to your LinkedIn profiles and site yeah. in the episode description for our listeners to connect with you and learn more. Again, super insightful. And I hope we can chat again real soon. Thanks for having me, Gary. I enjoyed it. My pleasure. One final note. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, like, and leave your feedback on your preferred streaming channel. Your comments, questions, and reviews are always appreciated. And be on the lookout for our next new episode coming up soon. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Modern Practice Podcast. If you enjoyed today's conversation, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or SoundCloud for new episodes. And follow Rectangle Health on social media for more helpful information, news, and event details. Thanks for tuning in.